that was genuinely a breath of fresh life. I'm going to give out <laughs> my first fresh air bomb. Looking for fresh life. Welcome to a breath of fresh life. If you thought this was something else, feel free to tune out now. <laughs> the train leaving the station, and we've begun. Let's begin now. I woke up this morning and I said, you know, instead of waiting for a good day to happen, you know, waiting around through ups and downs, you know, I, I just said, look. to the program everyone it is a breath of fresh life and uh, it's our first episode i'm really excited about this project um so i'm garrett hayden and i'm joined by two of my best friends you guys can introduce yourselves um i'm brenna keith i'm andrew Lydon, resident friend of brenna keith and garrett hayden Right, good, good intro there. Um, so, with, with this being our first episode, it's uh, yeah, it's a little. I think it's a little intimidating just because this is a uh, project that's you know totally different, kind of out out of the realm of like what I usually do. So, um, you guys know me; I'm a big sports head, and I do you know sports podcasts. So it's like doing stuff like this isn't you know that intimidating, but it kind of is because it's like okay, this is. This is stuff that I'm not totally, you know, familiar with, or not familiar with, but it's just, I don't know, just a lot. I feel like when I, when I think about this stuff, like, this has always been, like, kind of a dream for me, you know? Like, I always knew I was going to go into teaching. I teach special ed, so it's like, I knew that was my path, but, like, deep down, like, I've, I've told Andrew, and I'm pretty sure I told you, Garrett, like... I want to play around with, like, stand-up comedy, right? Like, I want to get out there on that, like, creative side of things. But there's just, like, not a lot of outlets or, like, opportunities for that. Hmm. So it's, like, I think this is that extra layer of, like, nerves and excitement into this is, like, my yeah. first venture into, like, the creative side of, like, life, I guess. I don't know. I think that's – and it's also so special because we've been talking about it so hmm. much. So it's, like, mm-hmm. my – some of my, like, best friends and this super important project that's, like – the first time I get to like dabble in this stuff. I don't yeah. know. I'm really honored to be here with you guys. It's exciting. Frost. <laughs> um so yeah, um anything you wanna add, Andrew, about about this? Yeah, I mean I think that it, I think what's really interesting about this project is that if you put it out in front of like millions of people, like maybe None of them will take any utility from it, but, like, if you put it in front of, like, 20 people, it will mean the world to them, and especially within the three of us, like, in our tent, I think it means so much to the three of us, and I think that it's so worthwhile to, more than anything, just have a little time capsule 
that can kind of pinpoint the three of us and our relationship. I think that's what I'm so excited about. And then also just being goons with you guys. Like I cannot wait to just chop it up with you guys on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our podcast, A Breath of Fresh Life, um, you know, I think what it's about and, you know, three of us have talked about this for a while is just um, the, I don't know, the, the connection that all three of us have and kind of the unique outlook we have on life and just, you know, stuff in general um, is just kind of what I wanted this project to be about, you know, that we're sharing stories from our lives and, you know, maybe sharing with, with other people, you know, people that have helped shape our lives in, in a, in a certain way. Choked up. I teared up a little bit there. That's <laughs> <laughs> the idea of the time capsule. It's just yeah. like a whole other level of this, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. I really think it is. Oh. Um, so obviously, uh, the three of us have been really good friends for for a, a long amount of time. But I think um, you know, with this being the introduction, kind of our first episode. I think it makes a lot of sense for us to kind of go back to the beginning of us, you know, and how, how we became to be, you know, so close. Um, and I think, you know, our, uh, relationships are, you know, pretty much due to Camp Arrowhead and that's, you know, exactly, I think how all three of us met. Yeah. I think literally without Arrowhead, we would never have been pulled together really or like had that chance right like yeah. Garrett you live in a different town and mm-hmm. Drew we're far, so far apart in age that we would have missed each other in school 100% yeah um, it's, weird. it's weird to think about how much older I am than you guys too <laughs> I, was, I was about how I'm the youngest within this um, within this like group of people I was thinking about that and how specifically within Arrowhead I think like if I went through my relationship with Garrett and my relationship with Brenna I think you guys would be surprised as to how we all saw the root of us becoming friends and then I also think specifically like me to Garrett and me to Brenna are so different and I'm sure you guys feel the same way about one another is that it's like perfect that it's the three of us kind of having this this bond and I think even people from within our core of people will see this and be like oh the three of them do make so much sense mm-hmm. but I'm really interested to go through the roots of the relationship because I don't even feel like for me this is like um, oh I've already heard this story before like you mm-hmm. guys going through your relationship and how you see it yeah. is fascinating to me yeah yeah, um, yeah. So I'm really curious like I guess we could just start with like um you know, Garrett, would you want to go through like your relationship to Brenna and your relationship yeah. to myself? And maybe we can kind of like round table it to yeah. kind of start that up. Yeah, I think so. So should we, should we, should we sprinkle in like what Camp Arrowhead is and like the off chance we get a listener? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. Oh my God. <laughs> Right? I was thinking about that. Like, if we actually get a little nibble, <laughs> what the hell is Camp Arrowhead? Oh my god. Uh, 
that's true. That's true. Anyone feel like they could accurately sum up the tidal wave that is that place? I can, I can try. I can try. Hit it. So, yeah, so Camp Arrowhead's a um, summer camp in uh, Natick, Massachusetts, uh, for those of you who don't know, and um, it's a camp for individuals with special needs, whether they are, you know, physical or um, developmental, and um, each of the campers will go to camp um, and have a volunteer that hangs out with them, so someone that, you know, hang out with them during the week, help them do certain activities, and then you have... Um, a group of staff people who are kind of like the the overseers, I guess, to kind of you know make sure that things go the way that they should. And um, I think that's probably the best way I could describe it. I think just at its core. Yeah, I think so. I I honestly think that the only the only other thing I would add in is that it gives that like full camp like day camp experience Hmm. to a bunch of individuals ranging from like six years old to 80 right like this is one of the few places where it gives that camp experience that these individuals would never Mm -hmm. have been allowed to otherwise you know just because so many places are so closed off to the idea of of opening up their doors right to a wider population Mm -hmm. i think that's the one the one other thing I would like sprinkle in there, right, is that it's yeah. it's different. I think mm-hmm. than anywhere else I've ever been. Yeah. yeah um, maybe just the one last thing for context is like I, I believe the genesis of it was like in the fifties or sixties was right for individuals with largely like physical special needs, mm-hmm. like that were in wheelchairs and such, and then it was like begun and kind of like fostered by veterans, like amputee veterans. So I think the two of them came together. I think it's on Memorial Day, I guess even more so, like, worthwhile to mention. But yeah. um, it was probably a space and in a space of time. And, like, those times in America were, like, individuals with special needs and maybe veterans didn't necessarily have a place of a distinguished place in society where they felt very comfortable and accepted. Mm-hmm. And they could go to this place and kind of be themselves. And I do think at the core of Arrowhead is very much – the person is seen as the person and not so much about the labels that other people would like to put on them. Mm-hmm. I do think that is very deep seated in the, the institution itself. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely um, would agree. And, you know, maybe this is a conversation for another day, but I think just talking about, you know, camp and how I got started with it, you know, as a person that lives with special needs I did go through the ringer of a lot of, you know, summer camps and trying to figure out, you know, camps that would work the best for me. And it's like, holy cow, it took me as long as it did to find Camp Arrowhead. Um, And, you know, I'm really comfortable there. And I have been really comfortable literally since the moment I set foot there. Um, So, um, yeah, just, you know, it's obviously a really special place to me. Um, And obviously, you know, a lot of relationships have grown, grown from it, too. I could spend more time on that if you would be willing to talk about places that like just didn't like what what when you knew that Arrowhead was going to work mm-hmm. and then spots that you had prior that, that were huge red flags as to we need to identify a different place. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I'd like to delve into that in, you know, maybe a later episode. Um, but yeah, definitely there are a lot of things that I could share, you know, about, you know, certain camps that maybe just, you know, didn't work out. Um, so, you know, circling back to kind of the beginning of, or the, you know, origin of our relationships through Camp Arrowhead. So, um, I, let's see. So I started Camp Arrowhead, I think the summer before I started high school. So that was 2010, I believe. Um, and so Andrew, you were, you volunteered for a few years, right? Starting then, or maybe the year before, year after? Year after that, yeah, 2011. Um, and so, you know, it's the, the day camp portion and then there's, you know, an overnight portion. We go for a week or so in, um, New Hampshire. Um, and so that was kind of, I think our first interaction is, you know, I had, you know, a a volunteer, Andrew was in my cabin and that was kind of our first interaction, I guess, I guess you would say. So wait, so at first you guys weren't even paired together Mm-mm. i guess that, that not even in the first year of like overlap I can't not, e- not even in the first few years okay. yeah we weren't even like homies like it didn't even really lock like lock lock like permanently lock until i was 18 17 or 18 mm-hmm. for my, my last year volunteering yeah yeah so it took it took took some time. <laughs> I have to I have to say one of like my one of like my first memories is like you know, so typically the cabin the cab the overnight cabin that I'm in during overnight camp is mostly, you know, all all boys, all men. But, you know, back then there were some women in the cabin and, you know, Andrew kind of was the was the whipping boy for for a summer, definitely. Yeah, just the youngest, just the youngest pup, fourteen. Right. Yeah. Just did not know what was going on. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just so interesting. Young bull and Garrett knew what was going on because he had that year before camp, and so I leaned on him very heavily then, and then right before college as well in our relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that that summer, the twenty fourteen. Um, was that was the first summer that you had had me as um, a camper. And that's kind of, I think, where, you know, we started to get, you know, as close as, as, as we are today, probably. Yeah, I actually, I have a conversation I want to share with you about <laughs> that summer. Yeah, go for it. Uh, between Ethan and I, so at the end of the res session, the volunteers and staff have a little powwow where they kind of thank each other and things. And... It's just, it's like cultural appropriation of like Native American culture. And I'm just like trying to be more aware of that stuff. Just breath of fresh life, right? Keep it, yeah. trying to keep each other. 100%. Sorry, just no. to pop in there. That's good. We can always edit that out. Or we can keep it as a learning moment. So we have like a little moment where we all kind of like are one another. Thank you, Brent. I appreciate that. Um, see, that's, I feel like not to sidebar too much, but you learn something every single day if you have open ear. I learned something today. 
Ethan and I shared a moment where he was like, hey, you you did exactly like what I asked you to do this summer. Thank you. And I was like, hey, I think you changed my entire life. I think you brought somebody into my life that will forever be like my one of my the best humans to come into my life. And he was like, for sure. And then to, to go forward even more, Colin Montgomery a couple of years later turned and said the exact same thing to me. And I always thought that was a really interesting thing is how like I don't know. I mean, there's definitely, like, I think that people, when they first meet you and they spend extended, I think extended, like, a few hours speaking with you, Garrett, you definitely have that effect on people of, like, oh, oh, my God, like, blown away by your humanity, for sure. Wow. Thanks, man. That, um, yeah, that's not, wow, that's not something I was expecting to hear today. Um. But yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, what a, what a special place that, you know, we're able to have these, you know, interactions with, with people that, you know, we end up being really close with, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so, you know, that's probably the area where, you know, we started to be really close, um, you know, so, uh, just to add context, um, Ethan Maple, uh, was, you know, uh, volunteer then a staff member and then was a volunteer coordinator so in charge of you know the the matchups between the campers and the volunteers uh, just to give some background to people that may not may not know um so as far as as far as brenna and i our relationship um you know i don't really know if i'd put like a a date on it or like exactly when we became as close as we did but um i'm wondering if it maybe was Maybe one of your last few years on staff, maybe. I think it was. <clears throat> I think it was, like, in the last, because I'm pretty sure, like, I have a moment pinpointed in my head when I knew that you were my friend. Like, <laughs> instantly in my head, I was like, holy crap, yep, I've got it, right? Like, this is, it was, it was, I was waterfront director, that's how I know it was in, like, one of my last couple of years, hmm. or at least... I was head lifeguard, you know, like one of those, I was like on the L dog. Yeah. I remember actually, no, it wasn't because Allie was working and Allie was there. So I know I was just on the L dog one day and this was when we, you know, like to like lift out of the water, yes. like lift into the water. Absolutely. This yeah. Was at that time when you had, you were really worried, like there was trust issues, right? Mm-hmm. Just on like who was going to yeah. get you. And I remember there was one day someone wasn't there. And they were like, all right, Garrett, like, who do you want to pick? Who do you trust? And, like, there was almost no hesitation. You were like, Brenda can do it. And I was like, that's trust. Like, that was the moment. Because it was, like, Mike Burke, Tim Flynn, Allie Janet, like, all of these, like, Melissa, Ethan. Like, you had people who you already trusted. And that was the thing, was that one of them couldn't make it. And instead of, you know, reaching out to the other, like, groups of guys around you, too, which was huge for me because I'm female right and females mm-hmm. aren't always considered as strong right so like to have that be like your moment of being mm-hmm. I just felt very trusted and I and then we'd sit on the chair and like hang out and chat and I think that just like really sprung our relationship just wow. because it was like our time to be together yeah wow wow oh my gosh I wow I don't I don't even think I remember that but I definitely definitely you know remember remember stuff like that, um, from camp. 
Wow. Um, but I think I think that you know definitely that was definitely a, a moment of trust. But I also think you know maybe when you left Arrowhead, went to you know New York, and maybe we became a, a little closer because maybe we were fur- further apart. I think so too. I think that was another big thing was like getting your contact information and yeah. like actually communicating. Right. Whereas like that's also something that I'm just not good at. And so it's like it's really awesome to have someone like in my life who like pushes that communication like, Hey, how you doing? And then I'm yeah. like, Oh my god, let's talk about all these things we haven't you know, like mm-hmm. that that extra connection has been cool because it's easy to lose those two over yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think, too, also, like, as I think about it, like, to fully connect it, mm-hmm. I think that it was also at the point where you two had become very close. Yeah. And it was, like, me and Drew started to become close. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, it wasn't when you were really a volunteer. Like, I knew you as a volunteer, and we had a good time when you were a volunteer. But I feel like our true connection built your first year on staff. Because it was, it was you, me, and Ben... And, like, I was straight out of my my year of, like, being not a good staff member. <laughs> like, I remember it was, like, the summer before I had gotten a lot of talks from Melissa and Tim. And I remember being, like, oh, God, like, I got to pick it up this summer. And then I met you two, and I was, like, oh, God, how do I focus? Because <laughs> all we do is mess around. <laughs> and then I feel like that was when I was, like, okay, I step up to the plate. And I'm just going to, like, wrangle you two, like, in my arms. And I'm going to be like, let's go do something responsible. And then we can do lots of irresponsible things. And I think that, like, connected even us even more because we had something to share between, like, the three of us. Oh, that's so well put. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do you think? I mean, I still contend that I did my very best work at Arrowhead with you. Being like the planning group that we had the that summer, the, my second summer, um, where we just created groups that I think literally decentralized what a group is to this day. And I think that just the way that we saw camp from a very camp counselor side of you very loose fun goofy uh, make silly like that kind of vein of camp versus like the very technical very like um, school almost based setting um, and then I think that just like me and you are just like very similar people where we're like passion centric people we jump into projects head first without really thinking about the scope of the projects we wear our heart on our sleeves like, I think me and you are very much the same animal. Um, and I think that while we were, we did have different, like, like you said, like you were older, we didn't have much of a relationship prior to me being, not like we, like we knew each other, we were aware of each other, but like I saw in you what I wanted to, to be like and how I wanted to affect camp in the way that you successfully carved out that niche. So it was just a lot, you allowed me so much space. And I think together we just had a lot of success doing what we wanted to do at camp and then just be after after camp have a a super fun time but I I do like 
I do think we had a great impact, just the work we did at Arrowhead together, um, that I like, I, I still do contend that year I did the most boots on the ground, my best work. I think that like we, we created that environment of like feeding off of each other, like feeding off of that energy. I think too, because I, there was like that little, we always at camp have that either a very high performing group of individuals, right? Like high, high storytelling, high everything. And then sometimes we go into those lulls where it's harder for us to perform as a group in front of everyone. Just there's different comfort levels. There's different people who want to do different things. Like, but I think that for me, when I was like first at staff, I had like Ethan Maple and I had like Amanda White who also fed into that same high energy. And then once they, you know, Ethan's position got higher and Amanda ended up leaving, like having you come in helped fill that gap for me so that it didn't like lull me out, right? Like it was another person in their high energy who got the camp, like you have to be over the top. Like I'm, there's things that we did at camp where I was like, that pushed the limits of what is a normal thing for human beings to do, but we did it anyway. Like, why the heck not? Like, we did it like, oh my god, there's one res where we like baby birded M&Ms as a challenge to see who could do more. And it was like the weirdest thing, but the kids like, or like the campers, the participants, like everyone was just like on their backs laughing. And like, we, I didn't care. Like, <laughs> There was no part of me oh, that cared that we were baby birding M and M's. Like, <laughs> and, and then I love how like I, I intended to give zero context throughout this whole thing, but it's, with context, it's even better. When a mama bird food, she like chews it up and then like regurgitates it to yeah. her children. So that's what we did. We like chewed up pretzels and like essentially just dropped it right in. And I, I mean, it was just such a, it was like such a great idea. And like I remember. I don't know. I don't even think I pitched it. I think someone else pitched it, and I was like, full body, yes. Like, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and that it had such a – it was just so much fun. And, I mean, yeah, jeez. Very, very two Irish people, <laughs> very fun-loving people, um, forever one of my favorite humans, both of you. But then I think also within Keep, like, just an awesome human. Yeah, that, that image will be forever burned in my brain. Brenna will take campers out of their wheelchairs and kickball. And I think that is very much how I'd like to describe Brenna Keith as a staff member. I feel like Brenna would take the campers who maybe you take them out and like hold them under the arms and go for like three or four steps. They would be like, you wouldn't want to like probably do it much further within the camp day. Brenna would pick them up, have so much fun, be screaming, pumping them up run around the bases be laughing the whole time and like that is what to me that's what it means to be a staff member is like very much what Brenna did which was like to go to bat for the campers to do everything for the campers and to like legitimately celebrate them and I think she did that I think that's what cements her place I think me and Garrett have had this conversation so I don't feel odd sharing it here but like if I was to take up an all-time staff Brenna has to be on that staff because she's so centric thank you you're like your your power and your way of speaking is just like knows how to get me in the heartstrings <laughs> every time. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I needed this conversation. 
too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely, you know, not the not the easiest time, but I think, you know, just being able to connect with people just is the most important thing you can do. So I've definitely been trying to, you know, text and, you know, reach out to people, you know, during a time like this. And, you know, maybe it makes me feel weird that it's like, okay, maybe it's just during this because, you know, what's going on that it makes it easier to reach out. But it's like, you know, one of those things of self-reflection that you realize, oh, okay, you know, would I really be reaching out to this person if, you know, the pandemic wasn't going on, you know, and it's, I'd like to think that you know, the answer is yes, that I would reach out to people. But I don't know, it's something that I've thought about in the last few days that, you know, am I keeping up with the people that I want to? That I think is also such a deep level of just, I think self-reflection was just like the perfect word for it that you used, right? Is that this time you either do what you want or you don't. So it's, this is like, it, it is an interesting way of looking at it too, right? Like who, who are the people that matter absolutely most in your life? And then what levels are you willing to take to stay connected with those people? And I think that's going to be like a beautiful thing that's going to come out of this yeah. is that self-reflection and that thought, but then also just knowing like, like I've Zoom called with my family more than I ever have. Like I've seen my uncle twice which in a year and he lives across the country right and it's i'm not used to it but it's been so refreshing and like beautiful Mm -hmm. that it's like why don't i do this normally right which i think is just like the other coin side of it right like Mm -hmm. who is important and then what do you do about it right do you have anything to add andrew i just think that you're i mean I think when you, ref- I think the, the 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 toughest thing about reflection and thinking on to things like this is like, hey, what what? I mean, maybe if I wasn't in the pandemic, I wouldn't do this. And like, I think that one good thing about reflection is you realize kind of where you're wrong, and then you have to almost allow yourself to be incorrect, and like allow yourself to be like, hey, I was wrong there, or I acted wrong there, and then moving forward in a life that aligns better with your growth. And I think that, like, for you, like, oh, I want to reach out to a lot of people. I want to connect with them because life is way too short to not. I think that's a really beautiful thing. It's separated from if you did it in the past or not. Mm-hmm. Moving into tomorrow, that's a good thing to do. And you're allowed to, in the past, have not been as forthcoming or as, as you know, communicative to people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Actually, I think one <clears throat> one other thing that that really makes me think of is so I I worked obviously you guys know I worked at the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp as well, mm. um, and we recently suffered a loss of one of our staff members who um, through suicide, and it's just I know it's a deep subject to go mm-hmm. into, but even just like checking on that one person, you've no idea what it could do. Yeah. Yeah, you honestly have no idea what people are going through. And, like, that's the important thing about, you know, reaching out during times like these. Because it's like, 
we may think that, you know, we have, we have a lot, you know, we are very lucky to have what we have. And some people maybe just don't have that, that, um, ability and just, you want to be there for, for people. So sorry to hear that, Brenna. Yeah, me too, me as well. I think actually, Garrett, that's one of the like most beautiful things I I appreciate about you is your ability to connect with people. Like Andrew was saying earlier, right? Like even just any volunteer that's been paired up with you, any staff member that's worked with you, you know, like there's everyone feels that connection to you. And that's a really rare thing in anyone's life mm-hmm. is to be able to connect with almost everyone you come into contact with. Like that's just such such a beautiful thing and I think you shouldn't second guess yourself on that reaching out and that like connectedness that you're making right like I don't think it's a bad thing right like that's it's just another one of those qualities that you carry that make people feel like loved and like you you care about them right like that's I think that's just such a beautiful thing that you do specifically thanks All right. Well, yeah. you you would not think twice to call Garrett on your best day of your life or the worst day of your life. He loves you, and he just wants to know how you are. That's so true. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, and believe me, you know, I think I've caught a, a decent amount of my friends on you know good days and bad days. You know, I've definitely had some, you know, difficult conversations with, you know, other, other people that I'm friends with, you know, whether they're, they're positive or not. Um, and, you know, I don't know, I just try to handle every situation just by, you know, not, not judging it at face value and just trying to be willing to, you know, listen to, you know, what the, what that person has to say, you know, and even if it's something that, you know, maybe I don't necessarily agree with, but just willing to be there and listen. So I'm Andrew. I'm curious if you had any like questions that you were going to bring in, because you had said that um, earlier. I do have some questions. Okay. Start with Brenna. Brenna, it's very easy for you and I to become passionate and jump headfirst into a project, perhaps without fully planning out the whole scope of it and just running with it. When is a time that has served you remarkably well? And when has that led you to falling on your face? <clears throat> in all, like in all aspects of life. Wide open. Wide open. <laughs> okay. I think just, I mean, I definitely do that. That is like <laughs> probably one of my, my strongest and worst things that I do in my life it it is to run into things with just absolutely no plan whatsoever and just like, <laughs> uh, I think I think a time where it really it suited me well actually in this I needed this in my life was when I was abroad and I was living with six people or four, five people six including me 
I went to Dublin, Ireland, right? Like, and I'm not a planner. And when you're abroad and you're in Europe, like, you have to plan things. Like, there's no really winging it. But <laughs> I had roommates who were incredible planners who did the whole scope of things, who would ask my opinion for, like, what I thought would be fun, but, like, never truly expected me to fully plan things out. And I would go on these trips, and honestly, even though they were fully planned, like, I'm still able to do that thing I do where I just kind of say, like, hey, you planned this whole walk, but, like, I just found this super cool thing that isn't on the map. Like, do you want to go check it out? And it's – I did that multiple times just kind of across the board, and it it brought my abroad experience from, like, what could have been a fun but, like, very cookie-cutter thing into – just a really exciting adventure. Like I went, when I went to Amsterdam, I, I one night went out with my friends and then my friend Jack and I were like, let's walk home. And we just like, didn't know where we were. And then we walked the streets of Amsterdam for like three hours. And it was like, I saw things that I never would have seen in a million years and was low key a little scary, but like, that's part of the adventure. <laughs> like I had one of the best hot dogs in my life. Like <laughs> I got to be in front of the Amsterdam sign completely alone, not a soul around me. Like who gets that experience? Like that thing is always swamped with people and I got to stand in front of it and just like be, you know, like it was a very exciting experience. Hmm. I went to Italy and it was, we went into this random bar where nobody was like absolutely dead and then they let me get behind and DJ and, like, serve drinks to them, like, the bartenders. And then they partied with us, and it was like, when would I ever do that in a trillion years? Like, the people at the Heineken Museum let me bartend. That's definitely not allowed. But, like, <laughs> I just went for it. <laughs> and these are, like, super fun stories. Hmm. On the flip side... <laughs> Sometimes, like, when I'm teaching, I can wing things, right? And, like, Mm. in the moment, you need to do that. You need to have that ability. But then also, when you walk into a class and you don't have a plan, it's absolutely the most stressful, sometimes awful, most horrifying thing in the world. And, like, then your boss walks in and it's, there's a kid having a fist fight. You know, like, when I was in Rochester, when I was teaching, it was really hard for me to plan things right like because I never knew what I was going to walk into with my kids and that was really hard for me because I like my second day of school wasn't really sure what to do no guidance from really anybody and a kid threw a chair out of a third story window in my room like I had no plan that day there was nothing I had and I should have right like I probably should have prepped the first three weeks of school but I didn't because I was scared and I don't always plan things and Hmm. That definitely, I set myself up for that failure, and I knew it, and I knew I was doing it, and I think that's also part of the really negative side of going into things without a plan, is that sometimes you have beautiful life experiences that taught me independence and the ability to adventure and not be scared, but then also it affects me in my work life, and I'm I'm not always the most on top of it person because of that. And, but, like, it's weird because I'm self-aware of it, so it's, like, hmm. I could do something about it, but I don't. I don't know. It's, like, a beautiful quality and a negative quality, and I know that I'm sure it pisses people off, <laughs> but, like, 
breath of fresh life. If you thought this was something else, feel free to tune out now. <laughs> the train leaving the station, and we've begun. Garrett, I have a question for you. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. This is what I wrote down. <clears throat> Garrett places a higher emphasis. On, so I was talking about myself and Brennan being kind of like people who jump into things. Mm -hmm. I said Garrett places a higher emphasis on steadiness and conscientiousness. Um, and I was wondering for you, um, you know, you in your DNA, you know, you are a lawyer's son. But then through nurture, you're also in birth order, just the middle child. So I guess one, do you agree that you are someone who's more grounded in kind of steadiness and conscientiousness as a personality trait? And then two, do you think that's more informed by your DNA of like you come from a line of people who are very conscientious and kind of like thinkers or birth order and being, or if not, you know, where do you think that kind of comes from? Hmm. Wow. That's, that's a really loaded question. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say I was totally, you know, not prepared uh, for that question, but, you know, I'll try to attack it. But I think, yeah, I think, you know, coming from the kind of the what what my my parents do is kind of, a, you know, the where that DNA comes from. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's um, just, geez, wow, I'm really totally unprepared. <laughs> um, but I can try to attack the. The middle child thing yeah i mean i think um i don't know i i feel like i'm totally bombing could i could i ask a leading question yeah, yeah. To this? just because so i'm an only child yeah like so the the whole idea of like siblings and how hmm. it affects growing up i guess i don't i i will never understand it but that is something that like I don't think I fully understand like what being a middle child is like. Yeah, I mean, of, I guess I don't know. I just I don't get any of it. If you could talk about that, I mean, that might lead you into it. Yeah, I could I could try. You know, I just think like when you think about like middle siblings and kind of the kind of stereotypical stuff that they go through. I don't know if I've necessarily you know gone through that. Like I, you know, haven't had to wear you know hand me downs and stuff like. Um, oh geez, I don't, I don't know why I'm struggling with this question, but, um, I don't know. I've kind of never felt like a middle child, if that, if that makes sense. You know, I never got the sense that like, you know, my parents, you know, treated me differently because I'm, you know, a middle child, you know, or my younger or older brother, you know, I feel like the nurture part is that, you know, my parents, you know, pretty much raised us the same and like you know there wasn't much there there wasn't much deviation I guess from one child to another and so maybe that's why I have this kind of idea of steadiness and like I kind of like to stay in stay kind of doing the same things or you know yeah that there's not much much difference and maybe maybe and maybe that you know helps answer the question a little bit too I'm going to ask a question and you don't have to answer it, Garrett, but no. do you think, like, your, like, muscular dystrophy had anything to do with that at all? I, I guess it could, yeah, I guess it could, but, you know, I don't know, one of the things that I've always appreciated about my parents is, like, 
I've, I've never felt different in my life. And that's kind of, I think, why, I don't know, maybe I'm so comfortable with who I am just because it's like, I really have never been treated differently. I've never wanted to be, you know, treated totally differently, you know, and it's, you know, I definitely credit my mom and dad for kind of instilling that in me that it's like, you may be different, but it's like, you don't need to, you know, you can, you can be like everyone else in, in a way. Um, but that's an interesting question. I'm not, you know, totally sure. Um, but possibly. Drew, I have a question for you. Please. So, semi on the sibling track also is this, so you're the youngest of Hmm. your crew. And I know that just like from having friends who have younger siblings, I know that stereotype but just like in the scheme of your family, I also feel like you don't follow that at all. Like, as like, cause I've, I hear like, you know, youngest child is always like spoiled and gets the best and gets away with it all. But like, I know the dynamic between your siblings is also different than most. So like, what do you, what do you think growing up as the youngest and like your family dynamic, how does that play into you, I guess. Do you have you thought about that at all? Yeah, I mean, abs- absolutely. I mean, I think that. Well, like, I I don't want to give a non-answer to this, so I want to make sure if I if I don't hit on what you're asking, just you can just rephrase it or ask it again in a way that I might understand better. But you know, just to backtrack, like 12 hours ago, my brother and me went to the Natick Falls, was chatting about life and just kind of sitting in the the solitude by the Charles River, like the beautiful scenes. And then my sister FaceTimed us in and she's talking about work and life. And like, we have a really good bond inside of our tent. Like my brother trusts me. I trust my brother. My sister trusts me. We love each other. And I think that being so supported by them and they always have like as goofy and as like far out as I am, they have me and I have them. And that comes from my parents is like, all you guys have is one another. Family is everything. My father's one of 14, so it was like we're really family-centric. But I never felt like made to feel different from like what I wanted to express. And definitely being the youngest child, like I think I was like naturally a goofball. I think I was allowed to like be noticed in the in, in all that. And I mean, I think they, my parents definitely were super more hands-off with me than my other siblings. And I, I think it's almost less because I was the youngest child and more because I was kind of my own person. I think they treated us kind of on a case-by-case basis. But I do, yeah, I, I do think that, like, being an only, excuse me, being a youngest child and then you being an only child, I do think that the two of us were, like, brought into that, like, performance-based, like, be loud, be funny, you, you're allowed to be goofy, like, you're allowed to kind of, I think it came from the family-oriented nature, and I do think that birth order played a huge, huge factor in that. And then, then both, I mean, done Arrowhead had my two siblings done it for four years and my older cousin, who I admired deeply, did it. I mean, I would have just never stepped foot there. Once I stepped foot there, I, I think that it kind of worked itself out. But um, just getting there in the first place was, was, I mean, a huge credit to them. I think that's the place that changed my life the most. I think just to go back on that um, sibling part, um, 
you know, I think that my parents definitely treated our, so, you know, I'm the middle of three boys and I think, you know, my parents definitely treated it as as a, you know, case by case basis, you know, and I kind of, you know, appreciate that, um, to, to, uh, to a certain extent. Um, but it's just interesting that we, you know, talk about the relationships, or Andrew, the relationships you have with your siblings. Like I would say that, you know, my relationship with Carter, my younger brother, is definitely a lot closer than me and my older brother. You know, I think that me and my older brother, it's not like we're not close, but I think, you know, I don't know, there's certain things that it's, you know, not not hard to talk about, but like the definitely the majority of things that we talk about are, you know, sports or things that we enjoy. And there are not a lot of, you know, deep conversations about, you know, life, about our lives. And it's not, it's, there's, there's no problem with it, but, you know, I think it's just, it, it's interesting to see that dynamic and how, you know, Carter and I are different from Tyler and I. If I could maybe take, just untake that and maybe move it out yeah. to what you're like, just when I talk about this podcast is like, I see you two a lot closer to sitting down and talking about our lives and the pattern of our lives more than I see Brenna as like a really tough, cool rugby player that like can crush PBR and is the coolest person ever. Or like Garrett as like a sports fanatic that like has all these, like I see you guys a lot. This is the light which I see you guys in. And when people ask me about you two, this is how I see you guys. Like in the, in the term of like our relationships in our life versus like things we do in our lives. In the sense where it's like, this is how I see you too. Hmm. Versus like, I think, I think a lot of like, I think people are not aware that we have these things in our lives. And like we have, I don't think people really see us in the, in this, in the sphere of this conversation, but I feel like hmm. this is me being myself with you being yourself and with you being yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no facade Mm -mm. to, like, us talking with each other. Like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold back on saying things just because of, you know, any other thing with you guys. Like, I feel very comfortable saying these things that I might not be able to break down and say Mm -hmm. in front of anyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that's also like a, a beautiful thing is that you guys can walk me through that reflection too, right? Mm-hmm. Like the breaking down like the people I keep in my life and relationships. Like I wouldn't have, I've done it a little bit, but never to that extent, like comparing the three. And I think that's also like, I mean, Garrett, I feel like this was almost completely your idea to be like, hey, let's do this. And then me and, me and Drew were like, heck yeah, let's do this. Yeah. It's like, that's that, like you guys provide that safe space for me to feel mm-hmm. like I can be 100% myself which yeah. is like a mind-boggling experience mm-hmm. like just across the board in the different communities that we're all in it's right. just like you speak about rugby like I love rugby and my best some of my best friends are from playing rugby but those rela- relationships are deeper right like there's those are their own separate things right. I think that's another cool way to break it down mm-hmm So Andrew, you have any other any other questions or things that you want to bring up? I do have a few more. Okay. Um, 
I think this has already been referenced in the conversation. It's it's honest, it's kind of ironic how the notes of my questions are like uh, very much flow into what we've already discussed. Yeah. Uh, this one's for Brenna. Um, it's obvious from meeting Dan Keith that you're a chip off the old block. And then, what is the greatest gift that Dan Keith has imparted in you? Like, what has been being around Dan Keith, being by Dan Keith, speaking with Dan Keith? What has Dan Key, yeah. What has he given to you? Damn, a lot. <laughs> like you're deaf. Like you are so right that I am just like a, a smaller female version of him. But there's definitely, like, I would say also like my my caring nature definitely stems a lot from him. But like, I would be nuts to leave out like how selfless my mother is as a human being, right? Like, her... So I'd say, like, my caring for others and my, like, true, like, I'll throw myself in front of a car for the people that I love, like, that comes from my mom, like, 400%. My dad would do that as well. Like, drop of a hat would be there for anybody. But I think I'd be remiss to start out not saying that about my mom because that's such a big part of my life. But I think the, the biggest, most important thing that I've gotten from my dad is my ability to be social and like be an extrovert even if like deep deep down inside I'm not (laughs) like I think when I I realize a lot of my come more easily when I'm growing older is that I'm someone who I thrive in social situations my entire work is a social situation but then at the end of the day or like on the weekends like I like to be home and shut my brain off and watch tv and do whatever you know like I'm I'm comfortable there. I can go out once a week with my friends and thrive and be in all these public places, but only once a week, and then I'm capped. But it's like I feel like that's the thing that he gave me was my ability to be a per- people person, to, like, really thrive in the center of a crowd, and, like, I enjoy it, you know? Like, that's another thing that I I think some people who are that center of attention do it for different reasons, whereas, like, I like to, I like to keep – the conversation going I like to ask people I like to listen to what they're going to say like I think that nature of me comes completely from him and even like you know in hard situations when you're with those people like I have the ability to just be a complete and utter goofball and do things like to make people laugh and at the expense of myself like I really don't care I think that's a huge thing I got from him like when I drive in a car and I'm by myself and I'm blasting music and singing and I can like dance in the front seat of my car and like I've been things that would probably embarrass the hell out of a lot of people like I um prime example um it's from the movie dream girls Jennifer Hudson sings it it's I and I'm not telling you or whatever and it is like this beautiful song full of soul and like all the way up to like the loudest I can get belting my heart out and I'm on in Framingham you know like that long stretch where the lights are like 10 minutes long and you're just like sitting there so it's a summer day windows down belting it out and I do this thing where I I pull up in between a car so like no window is looking at me but like they're near me but no one can see my face so I do it that way and I finished the song I belted it did my whole like gut singing and then to my left was a car of like six people windows down full on like encore encore and like would have would have mortified 
anyone else and I just started laughing and I went to the next song and it was a Beyonce song and I was like okay and I just kept going and like they were loving it and like an otherwise very boring red red light and I just feel like I was doing that for me I wasn't Mm. doing that for anybody else right like did it affect other people and is that something that I'm like pleased (laughs) like a little proud of of course but like that's my dance Wow. All the joy. And also, Seriously. if anyone had any doubts of who the greatest storyteller on the planet is at this present moment, it is Brenna Keith. <laughs> Great. A hammer when she tells stories. <laughs> a hammer. <laughs> that actually, that, that is like a massive compliment to me because sometimes I feel like, like my stories land or they don't. So it's oh. like either, like, like the number of times I've told a story and I've just gotten like crickets and people are like, oh, that's it. And I'm like, that was not, that wasn't a great story. <laughs> so like, I feel like that actually is a massive compliment to me and like something I've also been dabbling with, with my like stand up hmm. comedy ideas in the back of my head. I have a massive running list of like stand up ideas, so, like just basically stories that I could tell hmm. that I would love to you know workshop and go with but i'm so scared because sometimes they just don't hit and that's just like Hmm. probably one of the biggest things stopping me so that's a massive compliment thank you the fear of the bomb bomb. (laughs) i've done some stand-up bits like in cambridge or like at some places i'll do a five minute set and literally get this many laughs and I'm like I love this material I drove an hour I sat in a two hour line and I drove an hour home I'm gonna say what I think is funny for five minutes if you're not laughing that's kind of on you I'm going all the way for it and maybe it's selfish maybe it is but nobody pays me to do stand up I do it for my own fun so I get up there I'm like you're either gooey or you're hairy Seriously. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll just do an episode and I'll I'll workshop some of my stand up. Ladies and gentlemen, next up to the mic is <laughs> So what's up with going abroad? Um, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm going to the well on this cause I feel like I think about this a lot, but I think just appreciating what you have in life and the people that you have and the relationships that you have. Um, you know, I think when I was, you know, my younger self, I think, you know, to an extent, maybe I was, I don't want to say selfish, but like, didn't really think about the, you know, people that surround me and kind of the, 
how 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 important people are you know and i think that that's definitely something i would tell to my younger self is to kind of appreciate what you have more you know in terms of the people in your life you know in terms of the relationships that you have and you know the friends that you have i think i didn't really i feel like i didn't really realize that until an older age until you know i had kind of an experience that you know changed me in a way um so I think that's probably that's probably what I would what I would what I would say. Anything else in that? Uh, would you say? Being more appreciative of the moment and the human capital around you, I yeah. like that a lot. I think it's a good, it's a very good lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you can identify, you know, you could identify that yourself. You know, if you, we have any young listeners that listen to this, you know, I think it's, I think it's some advice that I think works, works for everyone, you know, not even people at that age, just anyone at any age, I think is just, that's kind of an important thing to realize. And I don't know, maybe it's kind of a, you know, obvious thing to think about, but you know, I think it's, it, it it's an important lesson that I think everyone should, should, should should learn, you know, at, at any point in their life. And I suppose for either of you guys, like, do either of you guys have really big, not big, but like when you were waking up this morning, getting ready for the podcast or like when we've discussed it in the past, like, are there any really big things that you guys want to kind of hit on or explore that you feel like is really worthwhile while the three of us are, hmm. Know, on the same call you mean like for for now or just like future all of our episodes like in general yeah i think it'd be fun if we like i mean i i want to bring guests on i think that that would be like yep just so epic for us i think like just near and dear to my heart like i would love it if we could touch on things like um like sexuality and things like, I don't know, just daily, just like so near and dear to my heart, you guys know that I'm a lesbian. So like for me, I think it's important for us to talk about things like that, especially with like two straight males and like the fun discourse we could have. I think it'd be fun to talk about like beyond that school and like Hmm. what else, what did school do for our lives? What did it School, sexuality, cultural relevance. I don't know. There's just so many. Like, mm-hmm. even when we were talking through this, I'm like, oh, my God, we could have a whole whole episode on that, right? Yeah. Like, family, relationships, mindfulness, like, mm-hmm. true self-reflection, like, things we dabbled in a little bit, but, like, mm-hmm. could 100% discuss for over an hour easily any of those things or, like, questions that I would love to ask, like, from your points of view and, like, your different lives that you've lived like I think asking you guys like questions about dating and like what you find important about like relationships or you know struggles or successes Mm -hmm. like I think that would be just like such an enlightening conversation because we're all so completely different yeah you know like I just think that also could be a fun conversation like I know we've had it before but Mm -hmm. I would love to have it again (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, is there anything really big that you feel like in your gut you're like, I would love to just long form to talk this out? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think as as Brenda said, bringing in guests to you know bridge on certain topics, I think would be would be would be huge, and is you know something that you know. And I was thinking of this, like, okay, this would be you know unbelievable to do to see if we could pull. But I think you know, seeing if there are ways that we kind of you know bring in sports to our you know larger conversations, um, and I think. You know that's that's something that I you know will, is I'm looking forward to to see if you know we can bring in people that maybe have participated in college sports and could maybe you know touch on something that we 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 can talk about. Um, but I think just in general, just sharing stories and you know kind of the I don't, I don't know what the word is, but kind of like giving people an inside look at our you know, relationship in our lives, you know, stories that I'm sure, you know, you guys have heard a million times, but that, you know, other people maybe haven't heard and, you know, can get kind of an inside look about who we are as people. Actually, you know what else I think would be a really, really awesome topic for us would be discussing, um, because I know, I mean, Garrett, this is like one of the biggest things that brings us together would be like our love of like television and specific shows and like what those shows mean to us do you know what sure. I mean like because we I don't even know how many times we've talked about Parks and Rec yeah. like that is just like it's, it's so important to me in my life but also like I know it's important to you Gary mm-hmm. and I know that like we're able to just whip out quotes with each other and like that's a conversation yeah. and that is just not something you have every day with other people right yeah. like there's it's a special bond that I, I would just love to break down like we share TV recommendations like Midnight Gospel. I just like, I haven't, I still haven't gotten through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's because I've been rewatching the first couple episodes because I find like, it's actually just to like dovetail for a quick second. Like that show it's it's beautiful to listen to. Right. And I know it's, it's based off of podcast conversations. So like, I do love that. That's like the base of it. But I find myself getting so distracted by like the, animation that's going on in front of me yeah. that I have to rewind a lot to like hear the words. Absolutely. So I've been watching and then listening. And so it's mm-hmm. like I'm trying to really soak it in because those topics are massive and like I wanna I want it to soak inside of me. So that was yeah. like I mean like that's I only found that because of you, Drew. Like I've what an insane experience that I'm having and it's all based on your recommendation for a TV show. Do you know what I mean? Like that would be a fire episode. Yeah, definitely. And what what about you, Andrew? I'm so I'm so I mean, I'm so excited. I'm so excited and just so happy to be doing this and I feel like it's going to take a while for it to kind of take shape. And I feel like we're all okay with that of like sitting around in silence and kind of looking at each other and kind of figuring out what exactly the show is. But I mean, just doing it with you two is such a joy. I don't think I would ever want to try to work out my thoughts and feelings unless it had you two near me kind of like hammering it out. I really want, I do want to look, I mean, just really closely into how you guys, I think, to make it really clear, like the things that make us super different and the things that make us super similar. And I think Brenda, like you mentioning, like your sexuality is like, 
I want to see it from your point of view. You want to, like we're all, we all see all these things and like that are super near and dear to us. And I really want to hear it from your perspective and from my perspective, and from Garrett's perspective, and to like, I feel like we always give each other so much space to have these great conversations. And like, I literally just talk about anything and everything. And then just life. I think that the things that we all kind of go through our own go through, but just being human, I feel like everyone has the same kind of difficult parts. And I'm really excited to kind of hear about what you guys week to week are you know, grappling with and things like that. And I think that by going through all these things, we can model to other people, you know, the way that you can kind of look at life and kind of look at relationships and friendships and things like that. So I'm just really, I think the future is very bright for uh, a fresh breath of life podcast. Um, So I am going to kind of introduce like a segment that I think we should try to do every week. Um, And, you know, I wrote about this in the notes that I had, but sharing one positive story that we were, you know, involved in, whether, you know, we did something or, you know, we said some something or, you know, had a conversation with someone during the week. So I'm curious if you guys have any anything that you'd like to share from the past week that you did that was, you know, positive or felt felt really good. I have one. I have one. That's that's definitely <clears throat> I think a lot of people, I actually don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people do the things that I do, but this is one thing that I did, which I'd like to share Yeah, is I was like trying, I'm trying so hard professionally to carve out a career for myself and to bring along people behind me who I really care about and to, you know, build the young leaders and things like that. But I'm trying so hard to do a good job. And of course, like you go back and forth on whether or not you're actually executing that. And, like, a lot of times I'll put on the man in the arena, which is, like, a Theodore Roosevelt quote. And um, it talks about, like, how you have to go through the turmoil in life and, like, get the blood and dust and sweat on your face. And how if you fail, you fail, like, valiantly and things like that. And just, like, literally being in my car, moved to tears, not in, like, sadness or in pain. But, like, like I think a lot of people look at, like, and I just want to share like how much of like when I take these big cuts and try to do these things with life and try to like achieve like how hard it is to be on that journey and how like oftentimes I'm crying to keep going. I'm not crying because I'm sad. I just know how much of a mountain I have to climb and how I literally won't quit until I get there. But like how I will literally die before I let myself and the people around me down. And it's like that moment of being in the car, being by yourself, hearing that quote, knowing that you're in the middle of it and how you have to just continue to go through it. And to have that moment, it was, it was definitely something that felt very humanizing this week. That's, that's beautiful. Um, well, I think, having like a little bit of time to sit on it and think on it. I think one thing that has been really nice for me that I, I miss a lot just because like, so I'm a special ed teacher, we're doing virtual school and like, it's a whole different beast. And I know that like, I'm having a hard time with it. I know my kids are too. Um, and we, this past week did, um, a set of one-on-one check-ins where I got to check in individually with each kid Um, and I also have, like, every week after a class, I check in with one specific student, 
Um, and it's like, we talk for like 30, 45 minutes and it's nice. We used to do it in school and I have been doing that and she's just been, it's very evident that she looks forward to it every week. And it's something that like means a lot to her. And we're talking about what she wants to do when she, cause she's going to be a senior next year and her fears and her dreams and what she like job search, everything like nothing is off the table for her. And it's just this like refreshing, beautiful, like student teacher relationship where I, I know I'm that support for her in school. And it's, it is so nice to like do that check-in with her every week. And then the one-on-one check-ins we just had, I actually had a student reach out to me and just say like, thank you so much for that. Like I, I haven't gotten that since being like at home and it just, it felt so special. And like to have that effect on at least one kid or at least two kids, you know, was just like very invigorating for me because I'd been on kind of that like downward spiral of just hating virtual school. Hmm. So that is like a, this was a positive that really boosted me this week. That's good. Um, all right. So, um, one of the things that was really special this week. So, um, I think it was at some point or I think it was earlier in the week, maybe it was Wednesday or Wednesday or Thursday night. Um, I had a friend text me that, um, they had a plan to surprise another one of my friends with kind of a drive by like graduation celebration. Um, and, you know, totally surprise one of my friends, um, Elizabeth Connor, who had just graduated from, uh, Providence college. And so, Yesterday, we, you know, gathered in a parking lot in a church in um, Arlington and then drove past her house. It was myself, my brother, and then a bunch of other staff members. And so we just drove by her house with signs and, you know, honking. And it was um, really just a special experience. And, you know, she's one of those people that I've never, like, I'm not sure how to describe it, but, like, she's always just such a positive person and just gives so much and the fact that like we were able to give something to her and she was just so you know blown away like oh my gosh you know so so happy to see other people you know do stuff for her and so I think that just was a really amazing experience that she's a person that gives so much and is so positive that it's like it felt really good to be able to kind of give something back to her to be like hey you know you're you're appreciated That's awesome. That yeah. Actually, I saw the pictures of that. I was like super jealous. It looks so cute. Yeah, it was it was really fun. I like that segment. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I'm hoping that we can make that a, a regular thing. Do you guys want to hear? This was my my other one. I was gonna say. But oh yeah. Student. <laughs> was that so? It's it was Kate's birthday this week. Her thirtieth birthday. Um, and I got, um, like all of her friends and family to send in videos wishing her a happy birthday. And I like compiled them into one big thing. Um, and she cried while she was watching it. It was like very special. Mm. So that was also something that I wanted to mention. And it just like, I don't know, the idea of it was really nice and the execution was too. Yeah. That's, that's really special. That is really special. Yeah. So, um, any, anything else that you guys want to mention? Oh, Drew, while you were gone, I made a list of just like the different ideas. Um, if you want to add any or workshop any. So I had down, um, sexuality, um, our like professions, just cause when you were talking, I, I 
feel like that was one of the things you were mentioning a little. Um, I added in like mental health um, and then sports, having guests, what makes us different, Ooh, a little feedback there, um, what makes us different and similar, race, mortality, religion, television shows, movies, music, um, what else am I missing? I know I'm missing more things. I feel like that was almost 100% of the things we discussed. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Cool. All right, cool. That's an exact list of what I would like the show to do. I mean, who knows? Maybe in three weeks we'll think it's a, we need a list of completely 10 different things, but <laughs> that hits the nail on the head for what I would loosely like to discuss. <laughs> in this podcast. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, so I, I just sent it to you. So if we want to add any as we go, the notes is now shared. So we can all just like add it and it'll Perfect. reflect if you have more ideas. Perfect. I know I've, I've personally reached out to Ethan. And I think I'm planning on reaching out to, and Ethan got back to me. And he, uh, I'm thinking about reaching out to Harry Nesbitt uh, and Frank Robinson mm. are three people whom I would, and then I'd also like a, like a, a parent, uh, another parent of the campers. I just think it'd be hilarious to kind of like see things from there point of view i don't know why hmm. oh and then and then one volunteer who did arrowhead and just didn't care for it or like just didn't end up staying with it i just think that would be so funny so <laughs> i don't know so those are like the <laughs> that's that's all and then maybe a few of my old professors who i really respect yeah yeah i definitely will um ask some old professors um you know or just friend just if friends that i think would be would be interesting to, to hear hear what they have to say. Well, all right. I mean, that's probably it if you guys don't have any other things to say. Um, so, yeah, this is Breath of Fresh Life podcast, uh, episode one. Um, so, yeah, you guys can uh, follow us on Twitter. we got a Twitter page. I don't know if we're going to do anything else. Um, there's a stream on SoundCloud, too. So if you guys want to listen there, you can also do that. Um, but guys, this was, uh, this was great. This was awesome. This was so much fun. I love you guys. Thank you for this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys next week.